girl who can sing or with a sexy voice. We're on air. Talk, talk, talk over this music. Say, check it out now. Yeah, check out that music. Those nice beats are coming um, in. Sports Bag Brothers. You know it. The Sports Bag Brothers podcast is on the set. Episode number seven. Coming at you with a little music bag going underneath us. Getting into some sports as we've been doing the past six episodes now going into seven. You already know what it is. I'm Tribe, he's biased, and we're bringing the conversation of sports to you. Episode seven. Episode seven. That's what it is. And we're going to have several episodes moving forward. We're going to try to get this thing done four times a week, Monday through Thursday. Right now we're recording so you can just enjoy the flow as we're doing it. But later on, we're expecting your participation so that we can have the conversation along with you, differing views, the same views, just as we were sports. And with that said, let's get this thing popping for real. The Sports Bag <laughs> Brother, yeah, the Sports Bag Bros podcast is coming at you. Number seven episode on the slate today. And you already know, we don't talk about the fluff and bluff and all that. We get right into it. I'm Trav, he's biased. You already heard that. And you know what we're here for? We're talking about the NBA Finals, some legendary work done by some legendary players and game three of the NBA Finals as the Denver Nuggets went down to Miami, tied at 1-1, losing the previous game at home, trying to regain the home court advantage and gain of the home court advantage it was, but it was a legendary, historic night for one, Jokic. Just call him Jokic. They call it Jokic? No, the Jokic. Okay. Joker, I mean, if he prefers a certain name, call him by that name because he he is an all-time great. Um, what he did, thirty and twenty and ten, that was that was insane. He's just saying, we need this game. You guys jump on my back. Hey, Murray, you can help out a little bit too if you want, but let's go. I got this. And yeah. but I told you, Murray's a dog. He, he came is, out he came out aggressive yesterday. You said he's on track for 30. He got his 30, but he also had a triple double also. So, so he was do, he was doing everything last night. Yo, he was doing everything. Jokic does what Jokic does, but he gets triple doubles and makes it look so easy. You don't even know that he has a triple double until you look at the stat box because he does it so easily and so effortlessly. And last night was just another example, but it was historic because I didn't even know for the first time in an NBA finals that a triple double was made. I mean, whether it's by a center or anybody else, but he did it. And I don't know why people still talk about him as if he's not if if uh, as if he isn't that good. He's not that good. He's great. And what he has shown yesterday shows his greatness. It also shows the elephant in the room. He probably should have won the regular season MVP, but it looks like the way things are going right now, he will get the MVP of the finals in the NBA finals that is. Yeah, I'm sure he'll trade, trade, make that trade every day of the week. Exactly. Uh, what it is, I think about Jokic is, is he's not athletic, you know, so he's not going past his man. He's not breaking people's ankles. And it's his shooting touch. Yeah. He, he bumps into guys and he, he showed, he, he put his shot up, it'll bounce three times and fall in. You know, he just has such a, a, a soft touch. Yeah. He gets it up on the rim, chances are it's going in. And then if you leave him open, he can splash the jumpers. You know, he's got three-point range. It, the man is incredible. He's yeah. just incredible. 
he isn't one of these super athletes because the NBA right now just has phenomenal athletes, and that's a given. But the skill set is when you start seeing the differentiation between player to player. He has the overall skill set. He doesn't have to have phenomenal athleticism relative to the rest of the guys. He has obviously more than the average person. But the basketball IQ, and Luka has a lot of the same, but as a big man, he has the IQ to get the assist. A big man like him also gets steals. I mean, you talk about how unathletic he is, but he gets steals on occasion. I mean, he does it pretty, pretty often for a big dude. Yeah, his IQ, his anticipation helps him, you know, make defensive plays. I think the best I can explain it is if you're on the sideline, you're probably thinking, I can guard that guy because he's not going around anybody. And, yeah, you might be in front of him, but he's still scoring over you. You know, he's what is he, 7'1"? Seven seven I think he's 6'11". 6'11"? He's on feet. So, he's just doing what he's so, doing. But he's big enough – there aren't too many guys who's going to stop him from getting his shots off. So, yeah, he, he looks like you can guard him, and you might be there guarding him, but he's still going to score. Yeah, and he's doing it. And it reminds me, it reminds me uh, of uh, certain boxers. You know, when Tyson used to do his commentating, yeah, he, he'd say, this guy, he doesn't look like much, but when you get in the ring with him, you find out. That's, the, that's how it is with Jokic. This may not be impressed with him, but then when you play against him and he lights you up for a triple-double and you think you did a good job guarding him, and, and you may like have. In the previous series, in the first quarter, I forgot which game it was, he didn't get any points. But by the end of the night, he still had near his average of 24 and a half for the season. He had scored 24 points, and they still won the game. And he just does it effortlessly. He does it with such skill, the anticipation. He knows the spacing. He knows, as I, as I say in boxing, the geometry of a basketball court. And he does well with it. And before we move any further, let people know where else they can check us out at. You know, you can follow us on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram. Also, you see us here on YouTube. And if you're here right now, how about subscribing to the channel? More importantly, hit the like button. That helps the algorithm more than even subscribing. You can have a million subscribers, but if they're not hitting the like button, the message doesn't get out to the other people who may be interested in speaking on the sports and having the sports conversation, no matter what it may be. We plan on doing a whole lot of this for a long time, so we'll be in it and grinding for the long term. But just in case, I've mentioned those other outlets that in which you can get in touch with us. Facebook, become a member there, be able to talk and go back and forth. Check out some of our things and memes that we'll be putting up there. IG, a lot of the same. Bias taking care of the Twitter, so you'll be hearing from him pretty darn often. Once again, we're also on uh, Spotify, so if you want to download this podcast on Spotify during your long ride, wherever you're going, or if you're just going to the store or going to the gym, just listen to us. So just wanted to give you that tidbit right there before we move on with these NBA finals and the phenomenal work done by uh, Jokic and Jamal Murray because they're just – Batman and Robin, but we have a Joker and Robin sighting on this one. Robin, officially Robin, this is what Jamal Murray will be. This is someone you have to keep in Denver if they want to keep this thing going. Just add more to it. Oh, definitely. They they, they have to keep their core members. But Murray, to me, he he's better than Robin. Oh, you put he, him he is. Team, you put him on another team, he's Batman. He just happens yeah. to be playing with somebody who's just incredible. Exactly. And that's what it is. I mean, Jokic's skill set is so high. And he, he just does so many things from his position. 
you know, it's, it's going to take a, a superstar to match him. And right now, I think you, like, if you're right, if if Jamal Murray was someone, if he was with the Knicks instead of Brunson, I think they do even better. I think they do. You know, Brunson gets injured a lot and whatnot, but he also did a lot for this Knicks team. But he does even better than Brunson, in my opinion, if he were there. But as a Robin, you want to call it Joker and Batman? I think you can call it Joker and Robin. It might have a better feel to it. But they're getting the job done. There wasn't anything Miami could do about it yesterday. I mean, they put their best foot forward as well. It just wasn't good enough. The home cooking didn't help. The adjustments didn't help. Now they're back in a hole. And I think now we're going to game two, game four, you know, down 2-1. It may end up being 3-1 going back to Denver. Yeah, it's up to Spolstra and his uh, coaching staff to come up with some adjustments. You know, Michael Malone, he he actually, I mean, he obviously made some adjustments. They played the two-man game more often in game three than they had prior. And, you know, that got Jokic and Murray going. So now, you know, see, during the series, there's going to be several adjustments that need to be made. Let's see if Spolstra and, and Miami can make a, an adjustment so they can come out and win game four. But I think yesterday the Nuggets were firing on all cylinders and there wasn't anything that he could do about it. Now, how much do you think that might have been a result of, we talked about the 10 games they had off before they had the <laughs> game. They played well, better than expected in the first game, at least from our perspective, because they should have been rusty. Then the second game, they kind of like, well, Miami went in there, dogged them out, beat them in the fourth quarter, won the game by three. But now this game three, do you now believe that they got everything clicking that they should have had clicking if they had that continuity without having 10 days off? Is this the beginning of them just being the Denver Nuggets that can just shut you down and run you over like it looks like right now? That, that That's a good way to put it, and that's a great question because it, it looks that way. Had game one and game two been reversed, we'd be saying, oh, the Nuggets got to figure it out. This might not go past five. Yeah. Right, but they they played better than we expected. Game one, yeah. They played game two the way we expected them to play one. Exactly. But now that you know, they look like regular Nuggets in game three. So we'll see. I haven't seen the line. I don't know what Vegas thinks, but uh, three and a half. The last time I checked for the and a half again. <laughs> They're being suckers right now because it was two and a half when it started for game two or game three, and went up to three as you said in some books. But they're starting off at three and a half right now. I think they're just trying to get some of these people to put their money up to balance the money as Vegas likes to do. I don't think they really care about winners or losers. They just want to have the even size bet. But I think the right. I think the way if this is any continuation or any sign of this is the Denver Nugget team we're going to get for the rest of the playoffs, the playoffs won't last much longer. Yeah, I think we both agree the Nuggets are the better team, and yeah. if they figured out the Heat. It's going to take monster games from Jimmy and Bam and perhaps Duncan Robinson or Struess or Gabe Vincent or Caleb Martin. Somebody's going to, going to have to chip in, but they're going to need big efforts from, if not all those guys, at least the majority of them. And Struess was the one who started off hot the first time around in Denver, and that's what set the tempo for them to win game two in Denver. You know, I guess they might have either figured him out or he's not as hot as he was supposed to have been. You know, you think this home cooking and familiarity with your stadium would be a reason why things work out. That's why they call it a home court advantage. It just hasn't worked out like that. And, of course, Denver was the better team going in. They were the better team in game two, still lost it at home. 
And we thought just being a dog was good enough and having some talent. Yesterday, being a dog had nothing to do with anything, just being the better team. And having dogs on that better team was the difference. Mm -hmm. You know, it could be the Nuggets, they had control game two, and then they slacked off. They started making uh, bad turnovers, and they lost game game two. And that could that could have been a wake-up call. They're like, you know what? We can't just go out there and go through the motions. And they definitely didn't go through the motions yesterday. If they play like they did last night, like I said, it's going to take monstrous efforts from a bunch of guys from the Heat to, to beat them. So does it even go with, about saying right now is Jokic the best player in the NBA or just one of the best players? I think the way he's been playing, especially now with all eyes on him, and even throughout the season, a controversy, in my opinion, is the only reason why he wasn't the MVP this past season for the third straight time. I don't know if there's much of an argument because you still have Giannis there as a physical freak and whatnot. You have a guy in Jokic who isn't the physical freak, but his IQ is through the roof. Giannis's IQ is not any different. He's just as brilliant, but he actually adds the IQ to the phenomenal athletic ability. Jokic, I believe, is the best player in the NBA as it stands right now. I mean, not just playoff basketball. What he has to offer from his size perspective, from all of the things that he knows as far as spacing, the angles, and all of these things that he does, I, he has to be the best player in the NBA. I don't think there's really that much of an argument. Once he gets the MVP for the finals, that kind of solidifies it. Yeah, I agree. I've been watching a lot of playoff games this year, and I haven't seen anybody perform better. They're, they're, there's nobody who's doing, who came close to doing what he's been doing nope. and not in his fourth series, this uh, playoff run. And I did like hearing the, the fawning over him yesterday by the commentators, Mark Jackson and even Van Gundy, giving him the credit he deserved. They weren't talking about, oh, he's a very good player. They were talking about how great and pretty much how legendary of what he was doing, historic and otherwise. They were giving him full credit yesterday on the, on the spot. Give him his flowers now while he's still alive, while he's still playing. They'll give it to him. He deserved every bit of the adoration that was given, the adulation that was given to him yesterday. So, um, yeah, more props to Jokic and moving on to game four down in Miami. Three and a half point favorites in this game. I don't, I don't think that goes to their head. And the, the way he's so humble after these games, it's like so matter of fact, it's almost insulting to some people yeah. because they're so used to the flamboyant you know, ostentatious type of person who needs to let you know, I'm here, this is what I did. I got a triple-double even though we lost by 40. <laughs> that kind of culture isn't where he's from. This guy gets those points, sits in front of the media, and tells you, no, I had a good night. A good night, a historic night, a good night, great night. What? That's just how he is. Yeah. You know, and another thing is he had double-digit assists and so did Murray, so that means they're getting help from the others. Yes. And you mentioned that they couldn't do it alone. And, you know, the other guys obviously stepped up. Um, in game two, uh, uh, Jokic, Jokic had nine assist opportunities and only ended up with four. So he had less assist opportunities, and they didn't capitalize on the assist opportunities he did provide. So, you know, he they still – his the teammates, the others still got to perform. Yeah, but he's putting them in position. Well, he's finding them in the position and where they best execute. You know I mean, he puts them where they can best execute or wherever they end up, he's getting it to them where they have the best chance of well, making the play and getting him the assist. And Jamal Murray did a lot of the same. 
So moving forward with those guys in game four tomorrow, um, well, well, we'll see. We'll, you know, we're gonna. This is our Friday. Today's Thursday, so it's our Friday. We'll be back on Monday to talk about whatever happened over the weekend, including <clears throat> that game and other sports action that may come up as well. And that moves us forward in the discussion. Uh, I'm and, not sure what. I'm not sure when Game Five is, but when we come back on Monday, the series yeah. might be. Good, you know what? The series may be over. We, we may have a couple of. Uh, well, at least for me, non-alcoholic, non-alcoholic That's what we may have by the time that happens. We'll be in the vacation mode like they are if the Denver Nuggets end up beating them if game five is going to be the end of it and it comes before Monday because I haven't really checked the schedule to find out. And that leaves us staying in the NBA with James Harden. He's allegedly torn between signing a new contract with the Philadelphia 76ers because he might want to go back to Houston. We talked a little bit about him wanting to go to Houston yesterday, but does it even matter? I mean, they could fix this pretty quickly, even with James Harden out. Yeah, I don't, I, I'm not sure why he'd want to go back to Houston other than he wants to shoot 30 times a game <laughs> again. Um, maybe he doesn't feel like himself. I don't, I don't know. Whatever the case may be, he hasn't been the same since he left Houston. So maybe that's why he wants to go back. But maybe he also knows that he's not going to win a ring in Houston. So maybe that's why he wants to stay in Philly. Man, I'm just, I don't know, man. The, the, the James Harden He wouldn't win in Philly either. I mean, we saw how they both choked in game seven. So. <laughs> exactly. You know, so um, I'm doing all this stuff with the camera. You know, he hasn't done anything. I mean, since he left the Houston Went to Jersey, didn't do anything there. Went down to Philadelphia, didn't do anything there. Helped get his coach fired because I think Doc Rivers should have been fired. James Harden, especially since the rules have been put in place about, you know, the way they changed the rules so he can't just do what he did with the free throw line on time or do his little stutter step and all the other stuff that he does to try to get the fouls on him. You and can see Harden, that he, he plays trying to draw a foul rather than actually trying to make the shot. Yeah, exactly. When he puts up a brick, he looks like, hey, why no call? And that's you, exactly you, what it is. True normal, if you get fouled, you get fouled. But if you're you're playing to get fouled and then you throw up a crazy shot and they don't call it, you look bad. Yep, and that's just the way he's been playing. I mean, is he a Hall of Famer? I think he's going to become a Hall of Famer only because he's put up numbers. He hasn't won anything. There's a lot of players who hadn't won anything, but they're still Hall of Famers. But – um. I, you know, with the way that he plays, you know, he doesn't play defense. We know about that. There's been memes on him. And there's a, you know, that's just what he does. If you watch the games, you know, some NFL uh, NBA types will tell you that he does play defense. Look at the percentages. Yo, I go by what I see, man. I don't need to go into, if I have to look at all the nuances on paper instead of what I'm seeing in person, man, there's a lot to be said about he probably doesn't pay defense. And we're in the majority when we're saying it. So, James Harden, whatever happens with you, whatever team you show up on, if you're going to go back to that Houston team, you know, that would be a solid team for a veteran like him because Detroit right now is a dumpster fire. I thought they'd be better. Houston's probably a better place to be right now. I mean, I'm not even talking about the familiar familiarity that, that he has in Houston. And that takes us to another NBA story. And that NBA story involves the New Orleans Pelicans, Zion Williamson. You know, the story is about how he's going to be a new father at 22 years old, but he's doing nothing but catching the vapors and being a simp, in my opinion. This woman that he's with, I think Akima, her name is an IG model or Instagram model or whatever she is. 
was a former stripper at one point. I don't know if that's true or not, but that seems to be the story out there. What's going on with Zion with this woman? Is this going to add more issues to his basketball play on the field on the court? Because you know he he's had enough distractions anyway. I remember someone talking about him being bullied on the internet because of his weight and so forth. He kind of gets back in shape, gets injured again, and now you get yourself in a, a spot like this with this type of a woman, I guess. And I don't know, more pressure on him. You know, you have a kid. There's not going to be a marriage anywhere, anytime. We just know the culture today. Marriage means absolutely nothing. He's just one of the people adding to it. NBA life at its finest, I guess. Any <laughs> thoughts? Not really. Uh, just a lot of drama. You know, if I was a teammate of his or if I was his coach or GM, I'd, be, I'd just be shaking my head like, Zion, what are you doing out there, brother? Exactly. I mean, shoot up the club and a chick like that. Come on, man. You can't be doing that, man. Go raw dog with a chick like that. I mean, oh. come on. There has to be other guys. And by the way, we do have a clip of this beautiful woman that he's dealing with right now. And we'll just get to that in a moment. Here's a little video of her. We can't play the whole video. If you wanted to see it, you can go to Twitter. Watch the entire video, and then you'll realize why we could not show the entire video. We'll show about 13 seconds of it. But this is who he is. Here she comes. And that's where it stops, at least for us, because it has to stop. A lot more happened after that, but there was, that's the type of woman he's dealing with. So that, that way I know for sure there isn't any marriage coming through this. And there might not even be a stable household for the kid that does come with a mom like that. This is what the world is dealing with. And this is what Zion will be dealing with now, too. So um, I just needed to show that Zion Williamson putting himself in another position to have scrutiny on him, to have distractions in his life, not just basketball, but now off the court. And we'll just see how it's his career turns out. And, you know, on the surface, he looks like such a nice dude. You know what I mean? According to some people who actually know somewhat about him, he's been a nice guy. He's not a bad guy. He's still a young guy. I'm not going to go by smiling all the time because people do that anyway if there's money being involved. But Zion, 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 what's the deal with this? Yeah, I don't know. And then, you know, the other person coming at, at this lady on Twitter, hey, I mean, it's ugly. Dude. Yeah. I don't know. Because, yeah, she's the one he's with, Akima, I think that's her name. She is the one who's having the baby. She had her reveal party. And while she's having her reveal party, another woman that Zion was with says that he was with her too. He's cheating on her while she's doing her reveal party. This is yeah. NBA salaciousness at its best or worst. Whichever one you choose, it's still good. And a soap opera in the life of a young guy and we saw what this kind of thing can do to young players or young people period but a young man with that much money and you know why she's there that kind of money is the reason why she's there and you know that's why there isn't going to be anything but some type of a child support for like 100 grand a month or something like that in the future and zion's gonna to have to deal with it be an adult for a change you know you're 22 years wish old. Luck. wish him luck he's gonna need every bit of luck he needs a rabbit's foot he needs, a, if they ever do get married, he needs a, a, a rabbit's foot for a wedding band. He needs all of that. Get your, get your shamrocks, borrow some Irish, whatever you can get. Lucky charms. You need luck. But anyways, Zion, that's the way it is. And you'll find out the hard way. And that leads us to another uh, topic that we wanted to talk about today that we forgot to talk about yesterday. And I was remiss to do so. But we want to talk oh, about it today. Oh, and that's the Iron <laughs> Sheik. 
<clears throat> the WWF's Iron Sheik passed away yesterday at 81 years old. And um, we didn't mention it yesterday. We mentioned it today. One of the greatest heels, if not the greatest heel, in all of, all of professional wrestling. And he's gone now, but <laughs> we had to come up with a video for him as well because we know how he got down once upon a time. I know when I was watching, I, I hated Iron Sheik. Oh, yeah. This, this, this was, video was funny, though. It made me laugh. I like this video. This was a funny video. I remember watching it, not live in person, but just on television. As a kid, Bob Backlund, the former champion who the Iron Sheik eventually had beaten for the championship before losing to Hulk Hogan. And Hulk made it Yeah, I remember he used to do this a few times, or he did it a few times. He said... No American or no other wrestler in the world could do it. He was the only one. And uh, Bob Backlund accepted his challenge. I remember he wasn't doing the game, but I mean, he had it, he had it over his head. And it said these things were over 100, 100 pounds, 150 pounds apiece. You know, that's crazy. I'm serious if it's true, but I also know about the embellishment when it comes right. to the exaggeration. Wrestling, period. It's going to accept the challenge. Mess up the jacket. <laughs> I know, right? Go to the cleaners. <laughs> and look at classy Freddie Blassie, the late classy uh, Freddie Blassie. I'm anxious to see because I don't know if Doc Backlund ever did work out with those uh, birds. Yeah, take the vest off. This is going to be range of motion, man. Come on. There you go. Yeah, you're going to tear up his shirt if you did it. Defending the World Wrestling Federation title literally all over the world. Bob Backlund, apparently, I know one thing, he has heard enough as it relates to the Iron Sheik as far as his insults about the United States of America. That's one thing to get And then he ended up losing to the Iron Sheik, right? Yes, he lost his belt to the Iron Sheik. But I think here, Mr. Backlund is making. Bob Backlund beat Superstar Billy Graham, Superstar Billy Graham. Was the champ before that? And then Sheik beats him, and then Hulk Hogan beats the Sheik, and Hulkamania ran wild from there. Again, if, if Mr. Backlund is to falter here, certainly don't fault Bob Backlund, Mr. Backlund. You can't do it. You can't do it. <laughs> this for the first time. <laughs> <laughs> supposedly about 150 pounds apiece. He'll give it a go. Well, he doesn't want to look bad, of course. I can assure you that it is very, very difficult. Looks like it's even awkward to, no, he can't no, do it. it. That's not. all right. No, it's all right. Because at least Bob Backlund had the guts to come out here. They're laughing, man. To do it. I know. <clears throat> it's all right. He shouldn't be embarrassed about that or anything. Backlund, this has been as the commentator. He's so worked up about this iron cheek. I think it just bothers him to the nth degree. Backlund now going, trying to get, has him up. Backlund. Look at this! <laughs> Berkman, how about that? Bob Berkman, how about it? Look at this! I can't believe he's doing it! Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> get him, Sheik! Get him! And that's what makes you the greatest heel of all time, this type of thing. I don't know why he stopped, though. Look at that! He kept stomping him. Holding on to his neck. <laughs> I don't know. And why, by the way, he leaves the ring and leaves the other guy that he was supposed to fight in there. <laughs> they don't yeah, I forgot to about him. that. I missed that point. <laughs> he probably just sit there and entertain just as well. But yeah, that's a little tribute to the yeah, Iron Sheik. Yeah, man, rest in peace. Definitely. 
you know, he was on Howard Stern as well, man. He he was just a personality, man. I mean, he came along at a time when the hostages had just left those 52 hostages that were in Iran. He comes along with the Americans, no good, spitting on the American flag. And then he teams up yeah. eventually with Nikolai Volkov of the Soviet Union during the Cold War. So th that's what made it more combustible. They, they planned that up to perfection. Oh, absolutely. He played it up. I definitely hated, hated Iron Sheik. I hated oh. him. You would be crazy other than being Iranian. You'd be crazy to love him if you were American because of what he stood for back then. And uh, uh, the country was a lot more conservative back then, especially coming off of that. Those fifty. Did hours. make me laugh though the way he used to bully um, Mean Gene Okerlund though. Everyone bullied him. <laughs> I'm saying no. It was funny when he did it for some reason. It was funnier to me. So the Iron Sheik, rest in peace. And another one we missed out on yesterday was from the NBA as well. AI, the answer. Alan Iverson became what 48 years old yesterday. 48 years old yesterday, yes, sir. 48 years old. And this guy here, you know, he gained some weight. You know, we talked about how small he was as a point guard playing for the Sixers and playing for other teams. He never really gained weight. But even now, as an older guy, you know, he put the weight on. You can see it in his face, but he's still not over 100, uh, 200 pounds. He's still not over 200 pounds after <laughs> all these years. It's just not in the cards for him to be that heavy. If pound for pound, um, existed for basketball, he'd be at the top oh, of them. Absolutely top. You know, no question about his ability. I know people talk about how much of a ball hog he was. The offense was built around him to play the way he played. You take a number one draft pick overall to play the build around him and let him lead the team. And without his play, do the do the Philadelphia and go to the finals that year against the Lakers. I mean, let alone winning the game. No. No way. And, and look at that. He never had a Robin. No, he didn't ever have no, another. No, it, was just him. it was just him. He was just Superman. So he didn't have a Batman either. He just came in, yeah. played as Superman, and it was a different <clears throat> NBA then than it is now. Defensively, there were guys out there looking to hurt you. Ask Michael Jordan. It wasn't too far removed from when Michael Jordan was dealing with those Detroit Pistons teams that were going and doing some WWF stuff of their own, you know, when they were playing against them. So this was kind of the same, the still, still kind of the same um, NBA. Those Knicks teams that Pat Riley defensively worked with back in 94, the remnants of those teams were still there, and he was still coming through as if no one was there. Yeah. I mean, So happy belated birthday, Allen Iverson. When he was a rookie, um, I was living in Indianapolis at the time, and a yeah. friend and I, when Philly came to town, we went to go see them. And at the end of the third quarter, I think he had like eight or nine points. We were disappointed. Like, man, we thought we were going to see a show. The Pacers were up like 19. Yeah. I'm from Chicagoland. I'm a Bulls fan. I, I wanted Philly to win. I wanted to see Iverson do his thing. Fourth quarter starts. Iverson's like, all right, showtime. He ended up with 34, and they won by five. Man, so that's what I'm talking about. My homie, we're like, this is what we came to see. This is what Got we came to see. Exactly. We're the only people, we were the only only guys in Market Square Arena high-fiving when Iverson's scoring, Philly's taking the lead. <laughs> These are looking at us like, what's wrong with you guys? I mean, I'm a Bulls fan. You know what I mean? You don't have a dog. We're fight, watching man. greatness. Just come and watch greatness, exactly. There's been times where players haven't been on your team and you watch greatness. I mean, I'm a Jets fan. You watch Tom Brady. You're watching greatness in person and on television. I mean, it goes down to litany of things in sports. But Allen Iverson, not just the basketball, but the overall athlete that he was. He was also, also a cultural icon 
you know, he, the reason why we do a lot of these things that we see in the NBA now, or even outside of the NBA, the tattoos, I mean, it's as big an issue as it was back then. You would never know that with today being what it is. I mean, right. for him to wear the tattoos, I remember, I think, which magazine he was on. They airbrushed the tattoos off of him. You know, and I'm like, you know, at the time, I didn't think it was a big deal. But I guess it really was a big deal. You know, it was a little bit more conservative, I guess. And they didn't want to have the tattoos because it showed that you were a rebel. Well, guess what? He was a rebel. He played like he was a rebel. But he played like he was a rebel because of the way he came up. Not because of something like John Morant, who wanted to be something he wasn't. So he was a product <laughs> of his environment. And he brought it to the table. And this is yeah. what he was. This was the true AI. Not not just uh, tattoos, but the hairstyles. The hairstyle, everything. Cornrows and braids and... You know, he, he led the way for a lot of guys. Yes, so much so much so that David Stern tried to make guys wear suits on the side, you know, on, <laughs> on the bench. You know, it was pretty much because of that. Yo, you got to wear a suit to games now. If you're not playing or you just happen to be there on the team, well, you got to wear a suit. You can no longer come with your medallions and just hanging out and pretty much your, uh, another team jersey while you're on your own team, that kind of thing. And, you know, he, he was that guy who changed the needle. And I remember in Japan and China, they was talking about how he was the only person who was bigger than him was Michael Jordan. But, bro, there's no shame in that game. You know what I mean? Because this he was just as popular as Yao Ming in China. Mm -hmm. And that was a huge thing. But, yeah, AI, 48 years old, and his high school career. Let's not even talk about the, the basketball and the football. In fact, I think his interceptions of one game record still stands to this day. I believe he had like eight interceptions of one game. One game in Virginia, it still stands today. So um, if you're getting that many interceptions, I fought the quarterback and the coach. <laughs> the athleticism of the guy who's doing it. So AI. Yeah, he, he was crazy on the football field in high school. Punt returning. Everything. Oh, yeah. Back, quarterback. He was just an athlete from the beginning. You know what I mean? He came from the bottom, worked his way out. And by the way, you know, it's just a, a couple more years before he gets that Reebok money that he's about to get because he kind of blew his initial money. He's not broke by any stretch of the imagination. He has an annuity, I believe, that gives him about 900 grand a year. And if he's not blowing that with the hanger-ons, he's doing well. And he'll have all of his money from Reebok soon enough. And from basketball, we move over to the football field because football is coming up next month, not only college football during their media days. At the end of July, we're talking about the NFL finally rearing his head, but there's some things brewing before people get to camp officially. And one of those things as of today, Dalvin Cook, the running back for the Minnesota Vikings, has been waived or has been released. So he will no longer be on the Vikings. So where does he go? A very talented player who's injured quite a bit, but he's still talented nonetheless. What is Minnesota thinking? What are the options, in your opinion, bias, of Dalvin Cook with other teams? You know, it's sort of similar to uh, DeAndre Hopkins. Is yeah. he, he going to get the money that he that he's used to getting? Probably not. Is he going to just go to the highest bidder? Or is he going to go to somewhere where he can win? You know, there's there's got to be teams out there that are looking for somebody to take him take them over the top. You know, he's a running back. Maybe you don't use him 20 carries every game, but you can use him in spurts and you know use him as a weapon. So there, you know, there's some teams out there, Tennessee Titans. <laughs> you know, they, well, they need some. Guys now. <laughs> I'm just saying, you know, um, they're a team that they need some offensive weapons. Um, well, the, 
the two teams I heard that may be interested in him, and it does make sense, are the Miami Dolphins and the Buffalo Bills. I mean, we're in an age now anyway where there isn't a dominant running back. You don't have that workhorse running back that we had from years ago. So you could have these running back by committee guys as long as you have a really good one and a pretty solid one. I think you could really be formidable, especially depending on your quarterback. If he goes to Buffalo, I think all bets are off because if he could just if he could team up with Singleton right now, uh, Singletary right now, and do well and keep the pressure off of uh, uh, Josh Allen, who's already can do his thing as a quarterback. I mean, that makes their offense even more potent, gives their defense even more rest, and they can be fresher when they play on the defensive side of the ball. So we don't know. But, of course, since Josh Allen was just on the Madden cover. But Buffalo's going to need all the help they can get. Yeah. He's going to be fighting that curse. That curse, man. And he's going to be cursing all the way to the bank. But, yeah, (laughs) running back back by committee is what the NFL is primarily about now. You know, the days of having just a Barry Sanders or just an Emmitt Smith or even an uh, Adrian Peterson, I think those days are over. I don't think Ezekiel Elliott, you know, he got slower because he got heavier and then the injuries kind of, you know, came along. But the the one running back, unless you're really special. And by the way, the way the offense is run run and is much more of a passing league, you know, if you can catch out of the backfield, that'll be some of your touches as well. You don't have to come out of the backfield directly as far as running out of it anymore. So that's the difference in the NFL right now. So Dalvin Cook, wherever he ends up, he's a free agent right now. So we'll find out where he ends up uh, soon enough. And um, staying with the NFL, I mean, the the Carolina Panthers had the number one pick in the NFL draft this past draft in April. And they took Bryce Young out of Alabama, the former Heisman Trophy winner, who's at least of the Elisor of the – well, we see of the uh, Heisman house, <laughs> this guy, he's now in Carolina and um, he's looking good enough to Frank Reich, their new coach is saying, Hey, we're going to give him first team reps and see what we really have here. I don't think it's any surprise because when you're picked number one overall and you're trading up so far to get that number one overall pick, I mean, you're going to have to give him every opportunity possible. I don't think this is one of those. We got to let him sit behind someone else. The fans know the organization knows this is the guy we just have to surround him with enough people so that he doesn't get hurt. That's it. Drew Brees was a small guy, too, coming out of Purdue, and he turned out to be a good player, a great player, Hall of Fame, future Hall of Famer. Right. Well, I think it's a good move, giving him first-team reps, give him a little boost of confidence. You know, it's not even the preseason yet. So get him out there, see what he can do, and give him a little bit of confidence. And then when preseason comes around, we'll see what happens. Can he can he perform as the starting starting quarterback, or we have to ride the bench? So we'll see. Well, I think some of the fans going by the comments that were made, they were talking more about him just sitting down to get bigger, not necessarily just learning the playbook. He's a smaller, <laughs> slight kind of built guy, so they're looking for him to get bigger so he doesn't get hurt out there. I understand what they're talking about, but um, and you know you hear these stories about who can't look over the the line of, look over the offensive lineman at the line of scrimmage and all that stuff. You know, he's not short. He's shorter than people thought initially, but he's gotten the job done with big offensive linemen around him at Alabama. You know, and I know Alabama sometimes can't be a real gauge because they just have the best of the best and they're playing against everyone else. But when he did play those games against Georgia or he did go on the road and play against Texas with other big guys, he showed up and he let you know he was the difference between a win and a loss every time Alabama lost and he wasn't there. So you understood that, you know, he has a special quality to him. Now, as far as the NFL, different set of rules, different players, the best on the planet. 
for some reason, I think that he's going to do really well. He has the poise uh, of a veteran quarterback, even though we haven't seen him in games. I'm just saying from the way he was in college. I expected him to be a bust coming from California going to Alabama. I went up to Atlanta to watch that game against the Canes, expecting him to be a bust. And all he did was bust loose and step up on the scene <laughs> and make things happen and winning the Heisman at the same time. Craziness. So I mean, I yeah, he, he's crazy. He's crazy talented. Very. Again, we have to wait and see how the preseason goes, where he ends up on the depth chart, how he looks in, in real action. You know, will he be ready for week one? That remains to be seen. It would be to his benefit to start game one. I don't know. Only time will tell. I wonder what Frank Reich's idea of being ready for week one is. You know what I mean? Is it is he doing well or not as well? Is it because, you know, you're going to throw picks if he's going to throw them? Because sometimes, you know, it's an event, most times, a vanilla offense during the preseason to where he can look a lot better than you know he would look during the regular season when it's much more nuanced. You know, do you look at it? And, of course, he's watching him in practice. He's watching his every move. They're looking at film, seeing how he, you know, he commands the offense and all those things. But with when you move up that fast and that high in the draft to take the number one, number one overall pick, I don't think – I think it's more difficult for the coach to not put him in knowing that everyone's clamoring for him to go in. Yeah, but where are the Panthers going? You know, do they have playoff aspirations? What's the rush? Yeah. Why? why? I send him out there to get killed when um, you, you're you're not in contention for a playoff spot. You know, that's true. I don't see I don't see a rush for it. Yeah, I so don't now, see. if he's ready, and you don't think he's going to improve that much this season, put him out there. You know, and learn on the job. You know, uh, you gotta protect him and keep him healthy though. Yeah, it's not expected for him to do a whole lot in his rookie year, but in this day and age where the offenses in college really prepare you for the NFL and the way they run things, you know, you, you're more you're more ready than you probably would have been 25 years ago. And it reminds me of Russell Wilson when he was in college. You know, he went from North Carolina State, and then he went up to Wisconsin and played for the Badgers. And when he was up there, he was a Heisman Trophy candidate for about a good four weeks, five weeks perhaps, making seriously big plays. And when he came to the Seattle Seahawks as a rookie, as I believe a third-round draft pick, and I was like, he'll get his opportunity somewhere down the line. But he ended up beating out veterans, became the starter in his rookie year, and pretty much hadn't looked back, got himself a Super Bowl in the process. I think this might be another one of those instances with Bryce Young. He can do that kind of a thing. I think that he has that poise that you need. And the arm strength of a Russell Wilson, I don't think he has that right now, but the cerebral capacity to read the defenses and knowing the right reason, picking up the playbook, that's the biggest part of an NFL team and being an NFL quarterback. The speed of the game, of course, is huge, but being able to process the information to make <clears> that <throat> catch up with the speed of the game, that's as big a thing for a quarterback coming from college and making the transition. Luckily for him, he played in the SEC, which is usually consensus the number one conference where you're playing against the best teams. And he went to the national championship game. So whatever team came out of whatever other conference, particularly the Big Ten, he's played against those top players too. So there shouldn't be – there is yeah, a huge, still, still a huge difference. I wonder if when he gets to uh, preseason camp, is he going to look around and think, man, I had more, more help at Alabama? You know what? He had more help at Alabama because of the discrepancy in talent between college teams. He's going to have more talent overall catching the ball because they're professional players and the best players 
you know, period. The worst team in the NFL still beats the best team in college. Oh, yeah, for sure. You know what I mean? So I think that he's 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 going to be around some talented guys now relative to other teams once he starts seeing these things either in a scrimmage or a preseason game. You know, it's all yet to be decided. I know they're going to keep the microscope on him as they do with the first pick overall all the time. And I'll be more than excited to see it, man. This is somebody I can check out. You know, I had a friend of mine that was in an executive capacity with the Carolina Panthers. You know, he's happy with the pick. He's no longer there. But I'll be looking forward to seeing what happens with Bryce Young. You know, I just like to see the journey for no other reason other than him just being a good guy. And for, according to everybody, being a good guy, nice guy, and a very talented guy, too. Yeah, I wish him well. We'll see what happens. Yep. And finally for tonight, well, not finally, but we're getting to the end of the show. And that makes us – we can get into a little – Women's softball, this Oklahoma's team, this Oklahoma University team, I mean, well, look, we don't follow softball like that. Around this time of year, we probably do. Every now and then on ESPN Plus, I might check out a female softball game on occasion because there's absolutely nothing else going on at the moment. But if I see it's six to six and the top of the six or seven is close game, I might watch if there is anything on. But for the most part, no. I'm not no, I don't keep up with it like that. But, I mean, there's just intermittent times that I do check it out because, you know, I, there just has to be some type of action on television to watch. But in any event, uh, the University of Oklahoma's women's softball team has a 52-game winning streak. They're 60-1 on the season. Those are ridiculous numbers. They just beat Florida State 5 to nothing in another win. That's it. They're looking for their three-peat, so we already know who won the previous two championships. So why not a trifecta? That's what seems like it's going to happen there. I just thought that we'd mention it because, well, that's that, that 52 straight games is sick. I mean, you're talking about Wilkinson kind of yeah. game from college football. We talked we talked about yesterday whether or not the Kansas City Chiefs are a dynasty. It's, oh. It looks like the Oklahoma women's uh, softball is a dynasty. 52 oh, going for a third championship. You know, that's uh, UCLA, 88 straight territory that's exactly um, you know uh, who, um yukon i mean they won over 100 games but you know that they're, they're different sport but they're in the same company you know those yeah. are record streaks yeah i typically like to keep women's records aside from men's records because there's just so much more competition among the men with women and typically in these sports team sports basketball oh, oh. And what Oh, oh, he's easy. <laughs> you know what? I know, man. Sometimes that reality smacks us in the face. I don't think I'm woke enough to continue to go on with the farce of believing that they're equals. They just aren't when it comes to sports. But I tell you what, the women's, you know, the women's teams for the records they put up, you know, I don't compare them to the men. You compare oranges to oranges. In this case right here, you know, they're doing absolutely phenomenal things. I mean, the Pat Summit Tennessee team, the Gene Ariamo, uh, uh, Maremo, um, uh, UConn teams, and now we have this. University of Oklahoma softball teams with, with these ridiculous numbers, 52 straight wins. You can't take that away from anybody. And I just wanted to mention that. That's after winning two straight championships. Exactly. And going on a third one, more than likely. I mean, at this point, does pressure get to them? Because winning is just so normal. It's just get up and win. You know, regardless of what goes on, I guess they just get up and win. And I just thought we needed to just point that out with this team. And now we get to our finally, finally, which is a boxing match that's coming up this Saturday. Of course, Josh Taylor versus Tio Lopez for 140-pound WBO championship in New York City. 
in the the small theater that is uh, the old felt forum, you know the the, the the theater. That's what it is now. And so, do you have any real thoughts in this this fight here? Because well, if I just wanted to talk about who I thought was going to win, Josh Taylor, even though Tio's is, in my opinion, more talented, but he's on a downward spiral, and I wonder why. Yeah, that's the question. He hasn't looked right since the Cambosis fight. So what what Tio are we going to see? And I saw him, it was like a face-off with Taylor, and Taylor was just dissing him left and right, talking uh telling him he's mentally fragile. <laughs> well, after he said something, he's like, that's just dumb. Like just questioning his intelligence, his mental capacity. And Teal's just like, you know, it's the takeover. I'm having fun again. And I just didn't like the, what was coming out of his mouth. He's getting disrespected left and right. And he didn't, he didn't come back at him in kind, you know? Yeah. Because Tio's a native New Yorker, and he's going to talk. He's been talking all this time. He's the one talking about the decapitation and all this other stuff he's been saying. And now, all of a sudden, he's silent when it's coming at him. But you know what, though? I, I was talking to Andre the Boxer, who will be on this show at some point or another throughout the entire time we're doing <laughs> shows. And he was telling me something I didn't really know about today about Tio Lopez. He had a divorce and all this other stuff going on. I didn't realize that he had, was even married. But he, had a, he has a divorce going on. He's had problems seeing his children, and I know how that can bother you in preparation for a fight, especially boxing. I've seen the circumstance up front when issues are going on at home, and it really disrupts you and it distracts you either in training camp or even when you're walking to the ring. It's still on your mind. Boxers are humans too, and right. even though you're trained to block these things out, they can still be a pain in the butt once you get into the ring. And you would think someone's trying to kill you, and you need to focus – Yo, you just don't understand when it's really that deep. If it's family-related most times, especially with a divorce and kids involved, it probably can come, you know, get you a certain way. Different people react to different things. And again, I think that might be a reason why T.O. has regressed in our eyes. But we'll find out for sure. He said he feels better now. I guess it might have come to a conclusion. If he feels better, we'll get to see on Saturday if all that's legitimately true or does he lose as Vegas thinks he's going to do. And as I and a few other, if not the majority of boxing fans, think the same, if they're not being biased. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, something seems off, right? And he doesn't just, he, he just doesn't seem to have the same fire, the same killer instinct, the same, I'm coming to fuck you up attitude, you know? That's yep. what the takeover was about. And I, I haven't seen the takeover in a few fights now. Yeah, maybe he going up in weight too. Maybe he didn't carry his power. You know, there there's a few factors that that could be at hand. Well, we're about to find out on Saturday. That will be our what Sunday because today is our Friday. Today's Thursday, the last show of the week. We'll be back on Monday, and by then, the Denver Nuggets would have taken care of the Miami Heat at least in Game Four. And I don't know when Game Five is scheduled because if it is and it's scheduled on Sunday, and that turns out to be a Denver Nugget win. Well, we'll be telling you how it concluded when we come back on Monday. So the Josh Taylor and Tio Lopez fight is something we will talk about. All of the other things that happened. And happen the Nunes before. fighting, too. Amanda Nunes, right? Yes. Yeah, I heard about that, man. So, yeah. And she, she, knocks she knocks people out. Yeah, she does. And that's always a plus for people who like combat sports. 
So let me let you know before we hang this up and close this show out that you can check us out on Instagram, the Sports Bag Brothers Podcast, Bros Podcast. You can check it out on Instagram. Come to our Facebook page. You can just join the conversation. Just join, just period. Follow us there. Or you can go to Twitter. Bias is handling the Twitter feeds right now. So you can just go there as well. Catch us on there. Spotify. Spotify is where you can download this episode and all the other episodes. We have all of them there so far. So if you want to go on your long ride or short workout or long workout, whatever you're doing, download it and you'll be able to find us on Spotify and do that as well. You don't even have to download it. Just click play. It'll play. Just click play. Exactly. See, I'm new to all this type of stuff. <laughs> click play. You don't have to download it. On Spotify, you find something you want to listen to, just click play and it'll play. All right. So that's what, another thing we know now. And then, of course, if you're going to come to YouTube and check this out, whether when we go live or as we're doing right now as a recorded session, you can subscribe to the channel. But most importantly, make sure you give us a thumbs up because that thumbs up allows the algorithm to take hold and give this conversation of sports out to all of the others who love sports as well. I'll try. He's biased. Bias, any last um, words you might want to give before we sign off? Uh, Yeah, just leave us some comments. Let us know what you think of the show. What do you think of me? If you think I suck, you think I'm doing a good job. Trav sucks. You think he's doing a good job. Go get it. <laughs> uh, content you want to hear, topics you want us to talk about. Um, uh, eventually, we're going to go live, so we'll, we want interaction. So yeah, we give us some feedback, guys. Yeah, feedback is what we need. We will listen to you. We listen to all the people who would decide to let us know what they want to talk about. I mean, it's not all about what we want to talk about. We're just touching on a lot of different things because we're casting a big net and we have to catch something. So we got to catch an interest one way or another. So when you finally get a chance to join us live and be able to give some of these uh, inputs that we're going to need, well, it'll be a better show because of it. Once again, the Sports Bag Bros podcast is signing off. I'm Trav. He's biased. We'll catch you next week. And we hope that this Miami, he comes with us. Later. <laughs>